we started in January focusing on what Jesus said, because what Jesus said is of utmost importance. We believe as Christians it's obviously of utmost importance. But if he is God in the flesh, then I'm telling you right now, what he said isn't just important, it's life. And yet, we lose sight of what he said. And so we've been focusing, and we've been in the middle of this series of what Jesus said it means to be blessed, what it looks like for us, his people, to live, to be content, to be fulfilled, to be happy. And the world says all kinds of different things about being blessed. What's happy, what's fulfilling, whether it be relationship or money or sex or just numbing yourself or having purpose or having approval. I mean, you think through it, right? If I was to ask you right now, what was the happiest day of your life? We would all have a lot of different things that we would say. And that's, that's great. I mean, there was a guy that won the World Series just recently, Jonah Hyam. He's a, or Haim Hyam, I can't remember how to say his last name, but he's a uh, catcher for the Rangers. Boo. Um, but <clears throat> he was asked, how are you feeling right now? I love that. They just win or they just lose something and microphone in their face. How are you feeling right now? I don't know. Kind of bored. I mean, he didn't say that. He was just like, this is the best day of my life. Except like when I got married and when we had kids. And I loved that. I love that he was like, no, this is really, really cool. But there's some cooler things. And I'm not saying that he always does that. I have no clue. I didn't even look into where he's at with the Lord and how would I fully know because Google told me so. I would, I would love to know him. But some of us go on record on saying what we believe. And so I guess what I'm getting at right before we get into one more of the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, you're blessed if, or you're blessed because, or those who are blessed look this way is what do you really think about Jesus? Is he really your life? Is he really enough? Or do you need Jesus and? And I would ask you to really consider that this morning. It's okay to be honest. As a matter of fact, you're going to hear me say to be pure in heart is to be honest, is to be genuine, is to be transparent. But we have such a weird fascination with real and raw that we think once you're real and once you're transparent and once you're raw about something that you've totally dealt with it. No, it's a wonderful first step. And then comes the seeing God or not seeing God that Jesus talks about. So I'm hitting you because we're a little bit packed, and when we're a little bit packed, it gets a little bit warmer, even though I feel cold, and it's because my head's bald, but we start to fade a little bit, and I don't know, something about my voice, I put lots of people to sleep, <laughs> and I'm, you know, honestly, if you're, for some of you, this might be the best little nap you have in a while, but I want to hit, hit it right up front. We believe that what Jesus says is life because he is life. 
We believe that what he says is to adjust us, to challenge us, to change us, to encourage us, to inspire us. And so Jesus said, and he said, you're blessed, and so rejoice and be glad. Will you join me in Matthew 5? Matthew 5 is the beginning of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the longest recorded teaching of Jesus. He had lots and lots of teachings. His buddy John said in the book of John that if we wrote down everything that he did, there wouldn't be enough books. And the libraries would be full, and they still would have more to tell. And I love it because I think that also includes what's happening today and ministries like Ben's and reaching people who have been frustrated with the church. But we don't write off the church. The body of Christ is the body of Christ, and he's the head of it. But here we go. I'm going to get right to it. Got a lot to say in a short amount of time to say it. So, Matthew 5.1, seeing the crowds... Jesus went up on a mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Please remember, there's a difference between being a crowd that's interested in Jesus and a disciple who follows. And they came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them. Words are so important, you guys. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying, the kingdom people are poor in spirit because they recognize they don't have what it takes, just like Pastor John told us about, just like we all probably know in the deepest part of our hearts, nobody's perfect but Jesus. Blessed are those who mourn or grieve, for they shall be comforted. It's coming. The comfort's coming. The Holy Spirit is our comforter, and those who grieve sin and its effects will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, the humble, the gentle, those who have power but are under control, for they shall inherit the earth. We think might is right. Jesus says, actually, meekness is right. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They long for the right way of God, for they shall be satisfied. Dear friends, we find all kinds of gratification, like quickly having things fulfill us, but they don't really fulfill us. Jesus is saying satisfaction is found only in him. Fulfillment is found only in him and his right way. And the last week we looked at this. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Being merciful, right? Being kind, being compassionate, helping people, forgiving people, because we've actually been taken care of. And shown kindness and compassion and forgiveness. This is not conditional, but these are things like this is what my people look like, my fulfilled people look like this, and then today. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. These are all interrelated, but I would say the pure in heart and the poor in spirit are about as close as the same type of thing as any of these can be, but they're so cool and interrelated, and here we go. What does pure in heart mean? What do you understand that to mean? What does it mean to be pure in heart? No malice. No malice, so it's no anger with evil intent. That's a tough one. Have you ever driven in traffic here? (laughs) 
You ever had a toddler? You're like, I would never beat my kids, but I know where the motivation comes from. <laughs> what else? What does it mean to be pure in heart? No malice. Good intentions. Like forgiving, good. Integrity, gosh, that's good. Wow. So my wife's name is Kathy. Her real name is Catherine. The name pure in the Greek is katharos. It's cathartic, catharsis, and Catherine. You guys, to be pure is to actually be without guile, without nastiness, and you just can't do it on your own. <laughs> Good news. God knows that. He's like, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You're only going to be pure in heart because of God. That's the only way, and you'll be able to see him, and we'll unpack that just in a couple of seconds. But this idea of pure in heart is all at once holiness, perfection, goodness without any spoil, and the transparency and the humility to admit you can't do that on your own. Nobody can. The problem with this one is that we're like, well, if nobody can be that, then we just kind of make it worth Jesus' while for dying on the cross. For shame that we would think God just wants us to be honest. He doesn't want us to be pure. He said, be holy as I'm holy. You can't do that on your own. I can't do that on my own. So part of pure in heart, and you're going to hear me unpack this in just a second, but I want to bring it to you again. Right here, right now, being pure in heart is being honest, being transparent, being confessional to God, and being repentant, turning back to him over and over again. Well, gosh, what kind of a savior is he if I have to keep working at it? What kind of a follower are you if you don't take him at his word? You're a human follower of him? So here we go. We're going to turn to Mark 7. This is a little bit of what it's like to not be pure in heart. And then we'll get to how one can have a pure heart. And then we'll look at how we can walk this out. I want you to remind, or I want you to remember, I want to remind you that as we're going to Matthew 7 and all that, but, or Matthew 5, I mean, and looking at what it means to be blessed, Jesus isn't saying, do all these things and I will finally bless you. He says, you're doing these things because you're blessed with me. You're poor in spirit, you're mourning, you're humble, you're hungering and thirsting for the right way, you're merciful. These are things that happen when your heart is transformed by Jesus, and this is what his kingdom looks like. Amen, and hallelujah is right. It's to him be the glory and the praise. But in Mark 7... He's talking to a group of people 
who are super upset with Jesus' disciples for not following tradition. Not following the rules that the elders have made up. Now they are trying to follow the law and they try to follow it so much that they built a wall or a fence around the law so people wouldn't screw that up at all. Forgetting the heart of the law that God wanted them to be holy and wanted them to be pure because he wanted them to be blessed. He wanted them to know him more and to follow him. Not as a bunch of rule keepers, but people in right relationship, which is righteousness, by the way. And Jesus paid for all of that. And so he came and people just didn't know what to do with him. Check it out. Mark 7, verses 5 through 9. The Pharisees and the scribes, these were the religious leaders and the lawyers, they asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but they eat with defiled hands? We didn't see them wash their hands before they ate. First of all, I mean, that would just be a good idea. But they've made it a spiritual law because they don't want them to be dirty in any way. You think that that's kind of cool, but Jesus calls them out. He says to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it's written, this people honors me with their lips, but the heart is far from me. Going through the motions, pretending, being hypocrites. And in case you're wondering, look around and then look in the mirror. We're hypocrites. And we need Jesus. And those who repent and turn to him, wonderful, but they need him every single day, right? We need him every single day. Those people honor me with their lips, but their heart's far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and you hold to the tradition of men. Having dinner with Ben last night at our house, there's particular denominations that won't allow particular things. And if you do those particular things, you're no longer part of that denomination. We kind of make fun of Baptists because that's kind of our background. But I mean, the old joke, and it's not really all that funny anymore, but... Why are Baptists against premarital sex? It could lead to dancing. <laughs> it's a joke. They're like, you can't play cards, you can't drink beer, you can't smoke, drink or chew, or go with girls that do. But I mean, the purity and the holiness of it is a good idea. Don't get drunk. Don't wreck your body. Don't throw away your money. Don't give in to sexual immorality, but so focused are they on rules and don't get to this that they miss reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm not a fisherman. I've gone fishing, but I know this about fishing. You don't clean a fish before you catch it. And oftentimes... Religious people want everybody to be perfect, pure in heart, forgetting that they themselves aren't, and they need Jesus for that. He says to him, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God 
in order to establish your tradition. Again, they'd build a wall around things. And then he goes on to, to say to them, look, you should be able to help your parents, but you've said whatever money you had to help your parents was a gift to God. It, it was a sacrifice. Mom, Dad, I can't do it. I've already committed it to God. And oftentimes they were spending that money on themselves. I can't give and help people. I can't give them my time. Then I won't be around my family. Bro, are you around your family now? It's hard for me to give up a Sunday. It's the only day I have. What are you doing with that day? Are you honoring the Lord? Are you serving your people? Yes. Do you know the projects that I have? Set integrity. God's looking for people that are real. That he can really do some work with. So let me tell you what pure in heart isn't real quick. Pure in heart is not religious pretending. This is hypocrisy. You want a really great message on that? Pastor John on September 3rd did a message on the way is hard in responding to hypocrisy that Jesus talked about. It was profound. One of the things that really stood out to me in that message was we, here, actually, I better just read the notes because I'll try, I'll quote you, John, and you're in the room. It's a little awkward if I do it wrong. In Matthew 23, John said, responding to hypocrisy is following God even when others don't. Well, their hypocrisy, it makes me mad. The church is just full of hypocrites. Yep. And there's always room for one more. And we can repent of hypocrisy. I must move on. Let's go a little bit further down in Mark, okay? So this is like don't pretend, quit relying on your rules and your traditions and all that. Rely on God. Come to God. Do what he says. Yes. But don't just lift up all these rules and don't help people to follow them. Point them to the one that gives them strength. A peace that passes understanding. Yeah, but I need to understand it. Bruh, it said it passes understanding. His name is Jesus. Trust him, believe him, lean into him, be integritous, be honest and transparent, be pure in heart. So here we go. Verse 14. And he called the people to him, and again he said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand Gosh, I could spend probably 15, the, the 15-ish minutes that I've left on the difference between hearing and understanding. But let's just say, just because you hear something doesn't mean you understand it. Okay, but he's saying hear and understand. There's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And like some of you, his disciples were like, what? When he had entered the house and left the people out there, his disciples asked him about that parable, about that little story, what? And he said, then you're also without understanding? He's like, you all thick also? You're not getting it? Let me break it down for you. He says that I'm so thankful because I'm thick. I'm like, huh? On the regular 
Do you see, do you not see, he says, that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. He's saying it's not about all this stuff out here, all the different things. (gasps) Oh, girl cooties. Gentile cooties. Homosexual cooties. Democratic cooties. Republican orange man cooties. Did I offend everybody? <laughs> Perfect. That was the aim. He said what comes out of a person is what defiles him. And then he gives a baker's dozen of really nasty things. See if you find yourself on the list. And from within, out of the heart of man or woman, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality. By the way, That's not just homosexuality. That's sex outside of the bonds of marriage. Holy sexuality is that which honors God. You may not be married. Don't have sex. Don't check out pornography. Don't lust. All these things. And you can't do it on your own. And so you're going to need help because nobody's perfect. All this stuff comes from inside. Theft. I've never stolen from anybody. How are your eight hours in work? Did you knock that out? 100% focused on blessing the Lord and honoring them. Wonderful. But there's a lot of different ways that we take from people. Murder, adultery, coveting. That means wanting what other people have. Wickedness, deceit, sensuality, just giving in to your senses. Envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things, evil things, Jesus says come from within and they defile a person it's not not washing your hands it's not not going to wait it's i mean not double negative it's not you missing all of the times the church is open it's not you taking the opportunity to gossip And making it look like a prayer request. It's not that you are a gossip and a deceitful person because of what happened out here in the conversation. Do you know where that started? Anybody? It starts right here. You need a heart transplant. You need to be changed. You need a pure heart. So how in the world, if this is where it starts, can we get a pure heart? Through the Lord, how can we be made holy, clean, complete? Only through Jesus. Well, but wait a minute, I've already done that. Why do I keep making mistakes? You're a habitual sinner who desperately needs Jesus, and he knows it. He's made you pure and whole if you have confessed him. But so you can remember this, we're going to go to one that is super popular and really misunderstood. And we're going to read it in its context. Will you go to John 3.16 with me? We're going to read actually in the context, and I'm just really going to let Jesus do his preaching because really my time is getting close to an end here. 
but then you get to go and live it out. So are we ever really done? Amen. John 3, 16 through 21. Listen to this. He's meeting with one of those Pharisees, one of those religious leaders who shows up at night because he's afraid of what could happen if he's seen in public with Jesus. Do you, I mean, seriously, I understood this so much as a youth pastor. I got a chance to go into Monroe High School. Well, no, it's good. We're all right. Okay. That's where I lived. That's where we were at, the only high school that I was able to go into. And I went in there, and you would see people's worlds colliding. Church and real life just, well, that's my pastor. How many times people will say maybe something that's unsavory, and they'll go, oh, I'm sorry, pastor. I'm like, well, you don't have to bow to me. You are going to bow someday, but it won't be to me. I want people to be real, but I also want them to want to change, not just because somebody's in the room, but because Jesus is in their hearts, changing their hearts. So listen, this man shows up, and Jesus explains a bunch of stuff, and this is where we pick it up. John three sixteen. he says to Nicodemus, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Anybody that was here for the heaven and hell series, what does Jesus save us from most importantly? The wrath of God. It's hell, it's ourselves, all that stuff, but it's the wrath of God. And God has a right to be mad. Because we have been impure, unholy, and we like it. And we sell it. And we tell people all about it. And we have all these rules. And if they don't follow all these rules, then they're not saved either. We have this weird affection with being in charge. And Jesus even spoke to that. If you want to be in charge, be a servant to everybody. Uh, check, please. That's a lot of work. My wife was gone for a week. She's unreal. What she does and how she serves, it helped me understand Jesus a little bit better this week. And what he wants from me is to lay it down and not complain about it, but to trust him. To believe him. So here we go. God didn't want to condemn the world. He wanted to save the world through Jesus. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he's not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light, Jesus, has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light. Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Repent means come into the light. 
How are we saved? What do you think, church? How are we saved? How can we have a pure heart according to Jesus' teaching in John 3, 16 through 21? Believe in Jesus, come into the light. Change of heart only happens by coming to Jesus. We recognize it. Pastor Matt Chandler in his study on Right Now Media over these Beatitudes says that there's this shame cycle that we have. And this is what it looks like. We feel bad about what we've done. We know that we're not where we need to be. And we even repent and we make a commitment and we promise, God, I'm not going to do it anymore. And however long it takes for us, we do it again. And instead of running to God, we stay away from him. That's not a pure heart, you guys. That's a heart that's hiding from God. And it has a long track record that goes all the way back to the first two people that ever lived. They sinned, and then they tried to hide from God. But it's like me playing hide-and-go-seek with my granddaughter, Josie. She says, Papa, let's just hide right here. I see you. <laughs> How do we get a pure heart? We need to be honest to God. That's where it starts. I have to finish with these two passages, and um, I would love to unpack them some more. Maybe we can talk some more. Maybe you go check out the uh, Live It Out video. We'll talk a little bit more about it. Maybe you can come on Tuesday night. Where are you guys going to be meeting on Tuesday night? Here in the cafe, 637. 7 o'clock, they talk about the, the discussion questions about the message and all that, really, the passages and what God says. There's other small groups. You guys can start a small group. But we're going to go to Hebrews 12. The youth group's been going through Hebrews. And yesterday, I was so blessed. My boy who's 12 years old, this woman had a question about something, and I wasn't understanding what her question was, but my 12-year-old had it figured out. And he went to Hebrews 13 to answer it for her. He goes, we haven't even really looked at Hebrews 13, but I read ahead. I'm like, oh, look at you, little guy. You get dinner tonight. Good job. <laughs> I even gave him lunch. It was amazing. But in Hebrews 12, 14, Jesus says this, strive. I don't know if it, that's like the word strife, like you have to fight for it. Strive for peace with everyone. Listen to what the writer is saying. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Through Christ, we are made holy, pure. It's the only way we can be made pure is through Jesus. Pastor John talked about it. I just read the greatest teacher ever, Jesus, saying, look, you got to come to me, believe in me. But that's purity in our standing before God. We've been forgiven. All of our stuff is covered. But your daily purity, you need to rely on the Lord, and you need to walk in this holiness that he's given to you. Listen to his voice. Quit ignoring it. Go to his word. Be around people that want to follow God. That doesn't mean you can't talk to 
people who aren't godly or in this world. God's not saying, take them out. He's saying, focus, be poured into so you can actually make a difference. Not like just watching football last night. There was a tight end that just jumped out ahead of everybody else. That's called offsides. But they didn't make him go five yards back and the rest of the team was up there. And when that same tight end caught a ball and got into the end zone, they didn't just give him six points. They gave the whole team six points. You guys, you're part of something bigger than yourself. But you have to choose to be a part of it. You have to choose to receive what Jesus has given, and then you walk it out, and you live it out, and you have other people that are part of winning and losing with you. Ben, that's what the kids are looking for, right, is something that's deeper than just rules. Real community, lasting community, which you can find here, but you don't have to come into the building for it. You guys are going to leave this building. You're out of this room way more than you're in it. I have to finish with 1 John 1 through 3. He says, without holiness, you won't see the Lord. You and I are called to be holy in our daily lives. Please go to 1 John 3, 1 through 3. We'll have to finish here, and I will wrap it up. Don't laugh. It's going to happen. 1 John 3, 1 through 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us? That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we're God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. <gasps> We're in progress. We're saved and perfect in standing already in Jesus and not yet on the everyday life. We still got to live it out. We got to walk it out. What will be is not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Your hope isn't in all of your deeds. It isn't in your actions. Do you need to do deeds and do actions? Yes, we're saved by faith. But it's this grace that saves us, but he saved us to do good things, not because we did good things. Check out Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It's wonderful. But this idea here is that if you want to see the Lord, you want to be pure, you trust him, you believe him. Jesus even said it in a different way in Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom. See the word seek? Look for it. You know the blue car syndrome, right? You're buying a blue car, you want a blue car, you see that blue car now all over the place. It's always been there. They've been there, but you're just more aware of it. The more you and I listen to God, the more you and I seek God, the more you and I help others to do the same, we see God and all kinds of stuff, even pain and agony. So how do you and I move towards Jesus? We've got to repent. 
We've got to confess that he's got it figured out and we don't. Some of you, that's the very first time you're going to do that is today, that you're saying, Lord, you're God and I'm not. Please forgive me for what I've done. Please forgive me for all the stupid stuff. And you're going to do some more stupid stuff, but you recognize that he's it. You believe that he died for you, just like we read in John 3.16. And then he rose from the dead, and you have victory in him. But many of you, you need to, like Jerry Bridges says in his book, The Pursuit of Holiness, you need to pursue holiness. You need to cut out some things that are in your way. You need to repent. You need to quit holding on to sins. And I can't list all of them. The Holy Spirit's probably talking to you right now. He says in his book, God does not require a perfect, sinless life to have fellowship with him. But he does require that we be serious about holiness, that we grieve over sin in our lives, mourn, and you'll be comforted. that we grieve over it instead of justifying it and that we earnestly pursue holiness as a way of life. He'll help you. He changes you from the inside out. And he won't leave you that way, the way you come to him. He'll make you pure, Jesus said. Let's pray. Father, so many different words all over the place right here, right now, and yet you're saying something to every one of these people because you're awesome, not because I am, but because you are. God, right where they're at, where they would need to repent, where they would need to confess, where they would need to say goodbye to things that they're hanging on to, that they would be steadfast and they feel like, Lord, I'm just in a good spot and I, I don't know exactly all the stuff that he's talking about. Lord, may they just continue to grow and be an example for people. But wherever my friends are at, right now I ask Jesus that they would keep coming to you in this humility, in this I want to be more like you attitude. And say no to themselves and yes to you. Not so they could earn anything, but so they could show you off, so they can grow, and so they can make your name known until you come back or we go to see you. Gotta pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.